This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre with expert commentary, analysis and insights into the issues of the day. Paul Krugman, the internationally recognised economist, author and New York Times columnist, is convinced that Greece will default on its debts and probably leave the Eurozone. Awarded the Nobel Prize for Economics in 2008, Professor Krugman delivered the plenary lecture at a conference marking the 75th anniversary of Keynes' general theory. It was hosted by the Faculty of Economics and Cambridge Finance and staged at Cambridge Judge Business School. Professor Krugman's current academic research is focused on economic and currency crises. So, in the light of all that is happening in parts of the Eurozone, what is his view on the Greek debt and the way it's being tackled? It's essentially impossible that that the debt will be paid in full. It's barely possible economically, and it's not possible politically. So there is going to be um, a large reduction in the value of Greek debt. There's going to be a default. It's going to involve a large haircut for for bondholders. How that happens is not clear, but it's going to have to happen. Um, I feel really sorry for Papandreou, um, and the people around him, because they are good people, they're not stupid. Um, but the thing about something like this is you can't, you as, as the leader of a country, basically cannot be the person who pulls the plug unless there's absolutely no alternative left. And so they have to play this thing out until the, the bitter end, and maybe it has to be someone else. So I think a lot about Argentina in, in, in 2001, where De La Rua in Argentina pretty much saw the writing on the wall. Uh, and but he could he could not be the person to say this is not going to work he and it really had to be somebody else in the end uh, so there's something like that now the question when the default happens is whether it's just a default or whether it's also an exit from the euro yeah. uh, which is an awesome thing to do and also an extremely hard thing to do because the the hint that it might happen Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately pro- provokes a gigantic bank run. And in fact, there's a slow-motion bank run underway yeah. right now, but it would become the, mo- the mother of all bank runs the, the moment the thought was there. So you really couldn't even do it unless you can close the banks. And again, you don't want to be the person who preemptively closes the banks. So the way it happens, if it happens, is that there's a, a run on the banks and a banking crisis which forces a, a banking holiday anyway, which is actually what happened in Argentina. Yes, yeah, so there will be a default. There might very well be a high-speed banking crisis, and that's the moment when it might well happen that Greece uh, either decides to or is, in effect, forced to, to leave the euro. And it's, uh, it's a hugely messy affair. If it happens, then, all right, it's a... Uh, they, there might then be a recovery in Greece once this is all behind, but it's going to be ugly. Uh, and there will be contagion effects. Uh, I guess I'm still betting that most of the Eurozone survives, that that this that probably only Greece, if anyone drops off, uh, that there are defaults in Greece and Ireland and Portugal, but not in Spain. But I'm not sure of that. And there is a, there is a story where the dominoes just keep on falling. Is it possible to say whether actually Greece should not have become part of the Eurozone in the first place? Oh, I think there's a quite good argument that the Euro itself was a mistake. That the, uh, you know, we had a lot of discussion 20 years ago about this. It, is Europe uh, an optimum currency area? And the conclusion most analysis was no. Um, and it's actually turned out that the difficulties are even wider than we realized. We knew that 
lack of labor mobility and lack of fiscal integration were going to be a problem. Um, it also turns out that lack of a, of a common uh, lender of last resort and actually of a, a common uh, deposit insurance scheme are, are, are severe also. So it's actually turned out that the, the classic arguments about why Europe wasn't all that well suited are in a way trumped by the new stuff, which is the banking crises and the, um, and the extreme fiscal difficulties. So no, I think it's pretty clear that as it's turned out, Greece would have been better off if it had never, if it had never joined. It's, uh, um, it's a pretty good case that Spain would be better off if it had never joined. If another package is worked out, can it work? No. I mean, I mean anything can happen. Uh, again, there could be uh, uh, sometime in the next six weeks you could discover massive oil deposits under the Aegean Sea, uh, something like that. I mean, something could turn up. But where Europe is, European leaders are still, for the most part, trying to deal with this as if it was a, a transitory liquidity problem. It's not. This is, Greece has, has acquired a very large debt based upon, partly upon just a fit of absence of mind, but also based upon beliefs about future growth prospects that just are no longer realistic. Is it fair to say that Greece's economic problems, also those of Ireland, of Portugal, possibly Spain, and I read somewhere Belgium is also involved in all of this somewhere along the lines, are those problems down to the rigidity of the, the Eurozone itself? Um, yeah, I mean, it, what do you do if there's an asymmetric shock? What do you do if, if some one country in a, in a region um, has worse, something goes wrong in, the, in that economy? Uh, and we often thought, you know, some shock to the country's exports, but as it turns out, the big thing is that some countries had, had giant housing bubbles that burst and others did not. How do you adjust to that? You have a monetary policy that's set in Frankfurt uh, for the, the Eurozone as a whole, but what do you do if, if situation in Germany is very different from the situation in Spain? And their cla- the classic answer for, you know, why does the United States work as a currency area? It works because people move. If you have a depressed area, people generally move to the areas that are less depressed. Uh, it works because much of the budget is federalized, so even if Nevada is in desperate straits. The, uh, the Social Security checks and the Medicare checks keep coming from Washington. Um, and because we have a financial system in which the, uh, the safeguards and the bailouts are also federalized. So if Texas thrifts go bankrupt in vast numbers in the 1980s, uh, the cost of, of paying off the depositors is borne by Washington again. So we have all these things that make it work. Europe has none of those things. Europe, people are not that mobile, in part because there's no common language. There's hardly any federal budget. You know, the, the European, the, the European Community budget is basically agricultural subsidies. And that's a pretty small thing. Um, as the Irish have learned to their horror, the cost of bailing out banks, even if those banks were largely conduits for funds from elsewhere in Europe, falls on them. And so, Europe was a, was the eurozone was was a, the idea was basically you were going to force it. You were going to pursue integration that was a, ahead of the fundamentals, in the hope that the fundamentals would follow. And the crisis has come much too soon for that to have happened. Should we Brits feel quite smug that we're not part of the Eurozone? Yes, yes. I think if in history will, you really should put up a statue to Gordon Brown for keeping you out. Because Britain, although there are certainly large problems, if Britain were on the Euro, I think Britain would basically look like Spain. It would be, uh, it, it would be even worse in slump, the employment picture would be even worse, and the prospects for recovery would be even worse. Although the, the fact of the matter is that 
to some extent, I guess you might say that George Osborne is determined to conduct your policy as if you were in the Eurozone, which might make it substantially worse than it needs to be. Well, the, the global focus is on debt, and you've mentioned it several times. Now, you went on record not long ago saying that the focus should not actually be on debt, but on revitalizing economies. How, how can you do that without tackling debt first? The thing to bear in mind is that I actually protest a lot about that, what I call the Hellenization of our discussion. Uh, we talk as if everybody was Greece or on the verge of becoming Greece. And, and that's not true. Greece is, is sui generis, both in the level of irresponsibility shown before the crisis um, and in the fact that it uh, it's, doesn't have its own currency. So you look at the major economies that do have their own currencies, uh, the United States, the UK, uh, Japan, um, and the core Eurozone countries, uh, they, are, they are not facing debt problems. They have levels of debt that don't make you happy. Uh, they clearly have to do something about their long-run fiscal position. But let me talk about the United States, for, which is obviously the place I know best. The United States has a huge long-run fiscal problem. That long-run fiscal problem is driven by two things, uh, um, runaway health care costs and the fundamentally inadequate revenue base. We, we, don't, uh, we cut taxes when we shouldn't have, and, and we need to do something about those, uh, those health care costs. If the, US, if the U.S. doesn't deal with those two things in the long run, then nothing works. If it does do with, deal with those two things, then current deficits are not a concern at all. They're, they're, the, the, uh, the extent to which uh, even a trillion dollars of debt is going to influence the long-run fiscal position is trivial. So the United States is perfectly capable, as an economic matter, spending to generate employment now, uh, while at the same time moving to put its long-run fiscal house to order. Uh, it's only politics that stops us from doing that. There are suggestions from various sources that, that uh, the states is teetering on the brink of a double-dip recession. Would you go along with that? It's, I'm uncertain whether that's really in the cards, but I also would argue that it mostly doesn't matter. We've actually been in a state which is technically a recovery in the sense that GDP is growing and industrial production is rising, but too slowly to make a, a dent in, in, in unemployment. The, the, uh, the employed fraction of the adult population has been flat for 18 months. We call it a recovery, but it hasn't been a recovery in, in the sense that it really matters. And that, there's a quite high probability that, that we'll slide into a period when employment grows more slowly than population maybe even drops, um, which might not be technically a recession because if GDP is still growing, then the, the Business Cycle Dating Committee won't call it a recession, but it will sure feel like a recession, and that's very likely. 44%, according to research out last week, 44% of your fellow countrymen are prepared for a second recession, a double dip. Well, you know, the public's view of what a recession is and the official view uh, of what a recession is are, are different. Um, and neither of them is wrong. The public feels that a situation of really poor job prospects is a recession. Um, the Business Cycle Dating Committee works with the, fundamentally with is the economy broadly going up or is it broadly going down. And the, the, you know, the, 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 the fact that the public either feels that we're in a continuing recession or views what seems quite likely to happen, which is slow growth, so f such slow growth that the employment picture worsens, um, public calls that a recession. The, my, my, my colleagues on the business cycle dating committee won't, but that doesn't mean that the public is wrong. Do you feel that the, the course being taken is, is the correct course? No. I mean, I think we, are, we, are, we, we have a policy which is based upon 
the belief that just around the corner, uh, uh, you know, that there'll be a, a piece of pie and a, a couple of, a cup of coffee. It's it's that we we've been talking about being on the road to recovery for 18 months while not actually having a recovery in the sense that matters. Professor Krupen, thank you very much. This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series. 